Hello there, you're very welcome to the Go Ahead Dublin Club Championship show here on Dubs TV and also in podcast form on the Dublin GAA, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast and Spotify channels. Uh, my name is Derek Ryan. Over the next hour or so, we're going to be uh, chatting and uh, looking back on the round one fixtures in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship. We'll be joined by former Dublin hurler Dotsio Callahan and the Herald's Conor McKeown to look back on round one in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship. And we'll also be looking at the Go Ahead uh, Dublin Senior One Football Championship round one games, which took place last weekend. Uh, Common Goggins, the former Dublin captain, will be joining us uh, alongside the Herald's Conor McKeown as well to look back on those round one games. A little bit later on, we'll also be having our club focus, which is a, a section focusing on the club around the county. And this week we'll be chatting to Nave Baroque Chairman Martin Kiernan to talk about the great work being done at Nave Baroque, both at juvenile level, underage level, and also uh, at a senior level and elsewhere around the club as well, the work being done at Nave Baroque in the community. That's a little bit later on, but firstly, let's focus on the hurling and the go-ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship Round 1 fixtures. Okay, delighted to be joined by former Dublin hurler Dossie O'Callaghan and Conor McKeown from the Herald. Thanks for joining us, lads. Hi, Derek. Hi, Derek. Uh, Dossie, you had a nice vantage point on opening night uh, of the go-ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship. You were commentating, co-commentating on Dubs TV. Uh, for the double header that night, which was Nafina's win over Whitehall Colm Kill and Bally Bowden's win over uh, St. Alvaro Plunkett on row. I guess two teams in Nafina and Bally Bowden that a lot of team, a lot of people would have seen as being potential favourites to win the title. What did you make of, I guess, that idea after the two games? Did you see them as being potential title winners? Yeah, I suppose, Derek, I suppose you're right there. I think two, a lot of people would be tipping the two teams as well. Um, I suppose... Nathina, you know, they, they performed very well and they were very slick in the first quarter, um, linking up with each other and creating scores. But uh, Whitehall, in fairness to them, you know, they're, they're down a lot of bodies. They're fairly depleted at the moment, missing some big players as well. So um, they did battle on. They battled on manfully as well. But obviously Nafina have a, you know, they have a lot of strong players. And, you know, they're, they're a team maybe coming the last few years with that underage success as well. So... They're, you know, they're pushing hard, and they're, I suppose, they're, they're, they're on a path, maybe trying to, get to trying to get into a county final and trying to win one as well. So, um, look, they, they, you know, they, they got sloppy throughout that first game. Um, you know, at the first period it was very good, but there, there was a lot of sloppy moments as well. So, they'll have a lot to work on, all right. But they, they certainly were, you know, impressive in patches as well. And, you know, Neil O'Callaghan as well had the, the opportunity to throw in a few lads there and give lads opportunities as well. So. Um, obviously strengthening the squad and you know creating that competition for places as well so uh, look he'll be so they'll be just happy to get the win um, but as I said Whitehall down a lot of bodies as well and you know obviously didn't provide that huge of a test for Nafina and there'll be there'll be bigger tests ahead for them yeah I guess one of the things last year I mean Nafina were obviously very strong last year as well and and, and got all the way to the semi-finals uh, maybe people might have said that the lack of experience in, in, in the semi-final might have, might have cost them. They brought in one of the most experienced players in Dublin Hurling and Liam Rush into that setup. Uh, a big man to have in the dressing room, if you call it a dressing room, because obviously players aren't allowed in dressing rooms at the moment, but a big man to have around the panel in training and, and uh, on match days as well. He'll bring a lot to that, to that setup. He will, yeah, and I, I see his soon-to-be brother-in-law here with us as well. So, uh, how are you, Connor? But uh, so 
Yeah, Liam, look what a what what a what a what a guy to have. Uh, what an addition to what an addition to the Napina squad and the Napina team as well. So he'll slot in there. He he you know he's a he's a great guy to have around around lads and around the younger players in Napina as well. So he'll slot in there. He he was quite effective again, probably not usually challenged the last day, but uh, a massive, massive presence for Napina and he's going to provide a huge kind of a huge, huge solidness there for them at, at centre back, and and really help maybe drive them on, and maybe even you know push them on to that to that first county title. Connie, you're more than welcome to criticise Liam as well if 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 you feel you need to. I'm only joking. I won't cause that issues in the family so quickly. But in terms of Bally Bowden, then St. Enders, obviously they got to the final last year. New management team this year uh, in Mal Travers and David Curtin in there as well. Um, I guess Connor. They've had to bring in maybe some youth, and it's not—it's a nice blend of youth and experience that Bally Bowden, uh, I guess, have now at the moment in terms of maybe moving this panel on from where it's been the last few years and and looking a small bit to the future, but still having the likes of I think Keenu's name on the bench the last day. Paul Ryan came off the bench as well, so still plenty of experience there as well. Yeah, and they're probably the players that will you know decide whether Bally Bowden have a successful year this year. Um, you know, it's hard to see them going straight from. You know the last team that won that brilliant championship a couple of years ago into another successful team, um, quite that quickly. But you know, I saw Keeney came off the bench for the Ballyboden footballers again, um, over the weekend. And you know, if he has one of those years where, like he did, sort of phenomenally last year, I think he played eleven weekends in a row between football and hurling. You know, um, you know, no better boy to do it. But you know, he's 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 still a very very important player for the Ballyboden hurlers, as is Paul Ryan as well. So, um, you know, like it, it's hard to know, you know, where they're going to stack up if they come up against a a Croaks or an Athena maybe, um, in a Dublin County semi final or a final, um, you know, you'd be looking at players to come through to kind of maybe supplement what they've lost. You know, even David Corton was still starting for the team last year in the in the bigger matches when they came along. So um, you know, somebody like Aidan Mellet, who has had a bit of experience at an intercounty and and poses that goal threat, um, they're definitely gonna have to find a couple of new bits and pieces. But you know, it's a bit like the Nafina thing, you know, a team can come together very, very quickly, but um I suppose we mightn't just be totally familiar with with all the components of it just yet. Um, Dotsie, again, you were there for the for the game, the Bowden Plunkett's game. Uh, Plunkett's obviously winning the AHL two uh, this year. They beat Rohini in the final. Uh, did you feel there was you know green shoots there in terms of us seeing them in future keep uh, keeping on progressing and keeping on building to uh, to kind of grow hurling at the club and and we might might see a bit more out of them over the next few years. I think so. I think so, Derek. Yeah, kind of. No. Keith Horgan and Derek Brendan involved and putting in massive work there as well. So uh, we're kind of expecting them to really throw everything at Bally Bowden. And in fairness, they didn't back down from the the contest either, you know, and they kept at it and, and kept digging in as well. So they look, as I said, they've they a lot of younger lads maybe with underage Dublin develop or Dublin development squads the last few years as well. So they're kind of coming up and they're, you know, mingling in with some of the older boys as well. And obviously, you've Keen Bowling there as well, scored a really cracking goal the last day against Ballyboden and, you know, took on James Madden and cut inside there and really drove at the Ballyboden defence as well. So, look, they have, they have a good mix of players. They'll, I suppose, they, they won't be overly disappointed about that result. Um, but they'll certainly want to, they'll certainly want to drive on and maybe 
you know, a massive step for them would be potentially making making that quarterfinal spot, you know, and, and getting out of the group. So, I mean, that's something for them to really, really target and it's, you know, attainable goal there as well. So they'll be they'll be looking to build on that on that uh, on that display you know and i think what connor says in regards to ballygod and i think you know ultimately they're trying trying lads out there as well but you know if there's no doubt there they'll, they'll be needing the conokinis and the paul ryans i think to to kick on a little bit and and to keep progressing in the championship connor i guess one of the um in when the when the fixture list was released the the big game of the weekend was uh the Kula versus Chemical Croaks uh, round one tie. Uh, everybody saw that that as as the game of the weekend. Um, your reaction to that game? I guess a bit of surprise uh, the the manner or the the size of Chemical Croaks victory three twenty four to eighteen points win over Kula. There were a Kula team who were then a couple of key players. Obviously, Keno Callahan out, Conor Callahan out, Mark Shude, Oshin Goff, for example. Some key players missing in the team, but still a, a big win for Chemical Croaks. Yeah, there's definitely two elements to that result. The first is Kula. Um, they were without those players, as you said. Um, I'm not sure that Jake Malone played the other night either. Um, and, and I suppose like every great team, and they were a great team, there's going to be a natural fall-off. You know, if you look at the at the, the Kula team, really, Dermot O'Flynn and Lee Murphy are the only two players that have kind of come into the All-Ireland winning team and established themselves. Even Cullum Cronin, I don't think, played the other night. So, you know, like they were really, really uh, down on, I suppose, their optimum strength. But that's not to take away from Crokes at all because, um, you know, they were really good. I mean, Ronan Hayes got 3-4 from play, 3-10 all over. And it, it was a common theme, actually, I think, across the first round of the Dublin Hurling Championship was that the players who had played with Dublin this year, you know, Danny Sutcliffe was another one as well, um, Donald Burke, you know, they were just at a different level. Um, you know, it, it really, really showed that they were playing um, you know, at a high level all year and coming into this, but um, like Croaks have that potential every year. Like it, it was very familiar, familiar um, performance, and it was very similar to what they did to Bally Bowden in the first round of the championship a couple of years ago when Bowden were. Um, I think Bowden went on to win it that year. So you know, like they are capable of that at, at all times. Like the Croaks forward line is full of players that are either current Dublin intercounty players or were in the panel at some stage or will be in the panel uh, in the future. Like Dara Purcell is a very obvious candidate to make that step up. So, you know, in terms of strength and depth, you know, Croaks are as good as they are, I think, in this championship. But, you know, for whatever reason, they don't always produce, you know, a full championship campaign of consistency. But if they get that right, you know, they'll go right to the end, I think. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess then that is the thing. Does does the um, does that result give some some teams elsewhere a, a bit of a glimmer of hope? Because again, Cooler still obviously the favourites, or they were the favourites before, before the uh, championship started. They still are, so as far as I'm aware, to win the title. Does that give other teams a, a glimmer of hope, Connor? That uh, that they can be beaten. Obviously, they had a poor poor start last year as well poor start by their standards insofar as a lot of teams kind of felt that they weren't up to the standard up to the same standards as last year then obviously they kicked on as the competition went on and, and, and won it in the end but does that result maybe open up uh, a glimmer of hope for some of the other teams the likes of Nafina, Bowden, uh, Chemical Croke, St Bridget's maybe even Jews and Lucan who might look at that and go this team can be beaten. Ah, oh, yeah, like I wouldn't have them as my favourites for the Dublin Championship this year. Uh, now, I say that with an asterisk, and the asterisk is I wouldn't be sure at what stage those players that you mentioned are going to be back, whether they'll be back um, in this year's Championship. Like, they'll, they'll almost certainly make the knockout stages, and I suppose once you're there, 
and you're bringing player players back, you know, the caliber of players that you that you mentioned are obviously going to have a huge say in the championship. But I think at this stage, be inclined to back the horse that's going well, you know, and there's no doubt that after the first round, um, Croaks and Nafina are the two teams that look like they were going particularly well. Um, so yeah, like you know, I know Kula's record over the last few years has been has been stunning. You know what they've done, not just in Dublin but beyond that as well. Um, and obviously with the new management team and Eddie Brennan, you know, as people in Dublin Hurling will know all too well, is a very very sharp. Um, I suppose he's the coach, um, but you know he'll obviously have a huge influence on that team. But I suppose to answer your question, it depends on how quickly they can get all those players back because without them, they're they're definitely not going to win the championship. Um, Connor mentioned there, Dotsie, that they Kulik can expect to get out of the group and, and make the quarterfinals. It is a very difficult group, though, at the same time. You would expect that from Kula, but at the same time, they have St. Bridges and Thomas Davis in their group as well. Bridges beating Thomas Davis the last day, which means it is uh, Chemical Croaks versus Bridges in the next game and Kula versus Thomas Davis. Kula have to beat Thomas Davis uh, this weekend, and if they do that, they will then have to go and beat Bridges in the last game which could be a winner-takes-all tie, depending on how Bridges versus Croaks goes this weekend. So there's a, it's maybe it's, it's a very difficult group and certainly won't be one of the, a group where they will expect to win both games and comfortably get, get into the quarterfinals, maybe like they have done in previous years. No, no, absolutely. And that's, I agree completely with Connor there in regards to Cooley. You know, they're, you know they wouldn't be my favourites either now, to be honest with you. And I just think... Uh, you know, obviously, the, these teams are just all geared towards getting out of the group. And, you know, if you're filtering lads back and getting lads back, it changes the whole dynamic there, you know. So they're well experienced at, at this as well. So they won't be panicking about the, the loss or anything like that. But, I mean, they'll have potentially, yeah, you, you would imagine they'll be playing kind of, they could be playing Bridget's for a, for a quarterfinal spot as well. So Bridget's, we've, we've seen in recent times as well, uh, they've had a run to a county final. Um, so they're they're you know they're 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 not a bad side as well. So if they can pick up a bit of momentum and and you know challenge and and if they're if they're on top of their game, they they, they might be in a position maybe where they could even take a scalp there and and potentially not cool out. So that would be you know it's all up to, all up for grabs really in that group as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, the other game, the other group, well the other game on that Sunday was St Jude's versus St Vincent's, and again. Uh, Connor, I guess a lot of people would have seen St. Vincent's as the favourite of that game. You mentioned Danny already, and Danny had a brilliant game in that game, Danny Sutcliffe, uh, for St. Jude's, getting them, uh, certainly putting them ahead, I think, with a minute to go um, before they end, end up winning by two in the end. A really good result for St. Jude's, and it really opens up that group as well uh, in terms of uh, potential quarter finalists. Yeah, and like Jude's were a team last year that struggled. Um, they drew with Fogs in their first game when. Um, I think everyone sort of assumed that they'd win that game and coast through. But um, yeah, Vincent's have been kind of at that level for the last couple of years and have made the knockout stages, but haven't really taken the next step. And they have some very good young hurlers, but and like Jews by comparison, like are, are, are a bit more of a solid outfit. But um, like without Danny, you know, who I think probably had his finest year for Dublin this year, I wouldn't be surprised if when the All Star nominations come out that he's the only Dublin player um, who gets one. But, um, you know, I think he had his best year for Dublin since 2013. And, uh, you know, he carried that form in with the club. And even his free-taking was really, really excellent. It wouldn't be, um, you know, probably on the list of things that I'd have uh, that make Danny Sutcliffe the hurler he was. But uh, I suppose it was his leadership all around that, that that stood out a mile. And I think with him and that sort of form, Jude's are going to be a very tough team for anybody to beat. Yeah, 
So not to put you on the spot here, but call that group, group two, Jude's, Vincent's, Lucan. It's Jude's, uh, Lucan this weekend and Satanta versus St. Vincent's. It's still very much all to play for in that group as well. Yeah, well, I mean, Lucan are, you know, one of the sort of, again, they're, they're the sort of teams you can't, um, can't ignore as Croaks found out to their, uh, to their um, detriment last year. You know, they, they produced a performance in that semi-final of absolute kind of fury and aggression and, you know they're capable of, of doing that um they tend to just maybe fall down a small bit up front you know they don't have two or three players who cut loose but um yeah i mean i think it'll come down to Jews and like it'll come down to the winner of that game i would expect and uh you're not putting me on the spot but you are putting me on the spot <laughs> um yeah i don't know as sort of a part of me just kind of fancies looking to win that game but i i mean it, it's it's that's really being honest, a stab in the dark. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Absolutely, would not be surprised if Jews won it either. Um, finally, just a quick look at the other results that we haven't mentioned: Volunteer losing to Craig. Cure, oh, sorry, Craig Kieran beating Volunteer uh, three twenty to two fourteen, and Fogs beating Scully Connell one twenty two to not eight. Uh, Dotsie, you mentioned you have been involved a bit with, with the underage teams at Volunteer St John's. A lot of good work going on there as well. I just done a bit with the, the minors last year, Derek. Now they did a good run. They won the, the minor B, but they had some they're putting a lot of work in at underage as well. So they have a mix there. Uh they've some quality kind of players in their, their mid twenties as well. And some of the lads coming up through the coming up through through minor there as well last year as well. So look, they're probably, you know, they're they're by far from the finished article, but um they'll be disappointed with the loss to uh to Craig Kieran, but you would you know, they're they're still there's still something to fight for in the group for them as well. So they're obviously up against Whitehall, Callum Kill there as well. So I'm sure they'll, they'll fancy their chances there. So that'll be a big game and, you know, a massive opportunity for both teams to maybe keep their kind of championship ambitions alive, you know, uh, into the last group game. Good stuff. Okay, yeah, thanks a million. Just a quick run through the fixtures. As you mentioned there, it's uh, Ballantyre versus Whitehall, Callum Kill in Group 1. The other game there, Craig Kieran versus Nafina. Uh, group four is uh, Ballyboden St. Enders versus Fogs. Again, we didn't really mention Fogs, but Ballyboden versus Fogs and Plunkett's taking on Scully Connell. Group two, Jude's Lucan, as Connor mentioned, the big one there, and Satanda versus St. Vincent's. And group three, again, really tough games. Uh, Chemical Croaks versus St. Bridget's, really big game at Parnell Park on uh, Sunday, and Kula versus Thomas Davis. We have four games live on Dubs TV this weekend. It's Crave Kieran versus Nafina. And Ballyboden versus Fogs on Saturday. And on Sunday, it's Chemical Croaks versus St. Bridget's and Jude's versus Luke and Sarsfield. Very much looking forward to those games. That's thanks, Mini, for joining us. Thanks, Derek. And we look forward to some more games this weekend. Connor staying with us for the uh, football roundup now, uh, coming up after the break. Okay, welcome back. Now we'll take a look at round one of the Go Ahead Dublin Senior One Football Championship, which took place over the weekend. Conor McKeown from the Herald has stayed with us. And we're joined by former Dublin captain Coman Goggins, fresh from the school run. Coman, thanks a million for joining us. <laughs> thanks a million, Derek. Don't be happy uh, to try like that. <laughs> You're on commentary, commentary duty at the weekend, Coman, uh, for both Dubs TV and for TG Carr over the weekend, uh, so you had a good view of uh, the games that took place, some of the big games that took place over the weekend at Parnell Park. Um, I guess we'll start with the games on Friday night in Nafina uh, versus Whitehall, Colum Kill and Ballymun Kickhams versus Thomas Davis. Two big games. 
Nafina, we'll start with them. AFL won champions. They've been going well, obviously, in the league over the past few weeks. A good win over Whitehall, Colin Kill on Friday night as well. How did you, how did you assess uh, how they played on Friday night and maybe their, it's a bit early, but maybe their credentials going forward into the season? Yeah, I think the assessment probably comes down to the second quarter of the first half where they, they reeled off uh, nine points to two. After the water break, I think the score was five to four or six, four thereabouts. So then they, they really just opened up into that second quarter. And the game was out of reach then at half time at, at 15 points to six. I think what Nafina have and they showed through the league and what they're showing again here is, is forwards who can get scores for you. Conor McHugh has probably proven at, at club level and with inter-county level his ability up front. Uh, but the support play around him, David Lacey and James Doran, particularly in the first half, was outstanding. He scored four points from play. Um, what was the difference between the two teams? Just that ability to get scores, to create scores. They're very pacey up front. They move the ball through the hands very quickly. They're looking to create scoring opportunities when looking not to get a couple of goals too. So it could have been a much bigger scoreline. Whether that would have done them any favour or not is debatable. But they, they'll move forward with great confidence after that result, given they've obviously won a league title. They've started off championship very well. There's improvement. Obviously, they didn't score as freely in the second half. They were quite um, slow to get going as well in the first half. But when you can bank on forwards to get your scores, and each one of their... Um, forward scored in that first half then you, you have an ability to go win championship matches because you have that firepower and that's probably where they need to just work on freeing that up a little bit earlier and uh, be more consistent over the 60 minutes um, and then Ballymun uh, against uh, Thomas Davis Ballymun obviously the, began the defence of their title uh, at the weekend they're, they're reigning champions for the first time in quite a long time obviously so that might bring its own pressure um, but they to be fair, they had a really tough game against uh, Thomas Davis on, on Friday night. Thomas Davis leading for large parts of the game. I think Thomas Davis were five ahead with 20 minutes to go when Ballymun came back and, and won that last 20 minutes by eight points to one. So that's where they won the game. I guess their their bench and their firepower they're able to bring off the bench. The likes of being able to bring off Dean Rock off the bench with the, in the last 20 minutes would have helped them. You, your assessment of that, of that performance... Yeah, they they were certainly very impressive in the last quarter of the game. Um, I thought Thomas Davis was very good. It was a very physical game. You know, it was it was nothing, no quarter asked or given. Both teams really went at it, and you know, Davis has certainly held the upper hand for you said well into well whatever 10, 15 minutes into the second half, where I think Thomas Davis will probably feel uh, they let themselves down was they they managed to um, orchestrate a couple of turnovers, and when they came out with the ball. They were probably just a little bit slow to, to counter-attack. And as a consequence, they had to check a couple of times and go backwards. And that gave Ballymun a chance to filter back. And when Ballymun filtered back, they put a little bit of pressure on Thomas Davis and they kicked away one or two balls. And if they'd retained, recycled, they could have added on a score. And because scores were, were limited enough, they were at a premium during the, the second half or during the game in total, I guess. If they'd managed to get a score or two from play, I think they only scored four points from freeze in the, the second half. If they'd managed to get a couple of scores from play based on the turnovers, that would have made it particularly difficult for Ballymun to shut down the gap. As it turned out, they didn't get scores. They kicked away ball. And then when Ballymun counterattacked, they have phenomenal pace across a half-back line, half-forward line. And they've, you know, inside guys like Jason Wheel and Fake Andrews who are, are very comfortable looking for a ball. And as you mentioned, Dean Rock came off the bench and kicked a couple of frees as well as an impact from play. So... I'd say the difference between the two teams and where Thomas Davis will look back in the game and say it was an opportunity loss was just that speed in the counter-attack. They, they slowed a couple of times, gave Ballymun a chance to regroup, and then they kicked away possession rather than trying to retain it. Flipped that over. Ballymun, when they turned over Davis, they were, they were 
straight out of the traps, attacked down the goals, which resulted in you know a couple of fouls that were easy enough scores then for Dean Rock. So Ballymun will be delighted with the last 10 or 15 minutes, probably less so the other piece. But when you consider you started a championship game without Paddy Small and Dean Rock and you managed to get a result against the team who were in a Dublin County final a couple of years ago, they'll be they'll be happy to move forward from the game knowing that they, there's improvements. Whereas Davises will probably need to just tweak their game a little bit if they're to try and get a couple of victories under the belt to progress into the quarterfinal stages. Um, Connor, I guess B- Ballymun, obviously, like I said, they're, they're defending their titles. The first time they've done that in quite a long time. They've plenty of experience in, in the panel in terms of guys who have to try and defend the titles. So that shouldn't be too much of an issue when it comes to like, looking at the likes of James McCarthy, obviously, and people like that, John Small, who uh, were well used to defending um, defending big titles on, on the county stage. They do have the likes of Paddy Small to come back in as well. As Coleman mentioned, a bit of room for improvement there. Yeah, the only thing is, and this is has been the issue with Ballymun over the last 10 years, is that because they have so many good players, they have so many good players in the Dublin panel. And because they have so many players in the Dublin panel, they tend to suffer um, because, you know, when the championship is played at the end of the Inter-County Championship, a lot of those players are kind of out of juice. And last year was a brilliant, brilliant season from Ballymun. And we saw the first, um, I suppose, the real... The expression of their entire potential but I think that was because the, the club championship was played before the county championship and they had all their players in the build up uh, they were all around there was no like usually happens where they might go through the league and and then all of a sudden they have to fit five or six players back into the team in pivotal positions with sort of minimal uh, contact time between all the squads so well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that they're going to suffer from that this year regardless. You know, there's no doubt about it that the players who are involved in Dublin won't have the same, I suppose, energy, if you want to put it like that. Um, and I suppose it remains to be seen to what extent the way the Dublin season finished this year affects those players. You know, um, you know, if, if you go on like that season and season and season, there's bound to be some sort of, I don't know, fall off in energy or sort of, you know, emotional energy or something like that at this time of year. So, like I think what works for them is that there's no doubting really that the Thomas Davis game was the hardest one that they're going to face in this group. Um, so to win it at the start of the championship was a big one because it means that they have a bit of a comfort blanket. And I don't, you know, I think they're going to beat Clintarf and Scaries, you know, regardless of kind of what shape the the Dublin players are going to be in in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, really what it's about for Ballymun now, particularly after getting that victory over Thomas Davis, is getting themselves right for when the quarterfinal stages come around um, or when the knockout stages come around because I think from here on in, they're going to be able to build gradually. So, um, you know, we might see the value of that victory over Thomas Davis maybe a little bit further down the banks when when they get everybody back um, and we see what kind of force they are because, you know, like last year, I think Crokes and Ballyboden were worthy Dublin champions. You know, they were they were really, really strong. And Ballymun were just in a different category. So I suppose that's what they're capable of. That's what their potential is. But but whether they can hit it because of the circumstances that they find themselves in this year, I think probably remains to be seen. Connor, just on that, I wonder if, um, given that they won Dublin last year and they were so brilliant in winning it and, you know, standing... And there was no Leinster campaign and no All-Ireland campaign. Would there be a little bit within those Ballymun guys, do you think, that we didn't get the chance to go Leinster, All-Ireland's route? Is that something that would maybe motivate them to, to and I know there's challenges around what you've said there, but would that be some bit of a, you know, a spur for them to try and win yeah. Dublin to go and run that provincial championship, given the, how good they were last year, I guess? And yeah, I know the circumstances are different. 
because I think they got a lot out of it the last time they did it in 2013 you know um, going to an All-Ireland final that year and losing I think you know hit an awful lot of them very very hard um, because it was a huge thing for that club to do after winning the championship for the first time and the other thing is Dublin Dublin teams perform so well in the Lancer championship I think the chances are I know it was different last year but if you win Dublin you've got a fair chance of getting through to the All-Ireland series and given that it's all in the calendar year now as well it's not quite the drain on those inter-county players as it was before you know you're not going to miss any of the pre-season or any of the build-up or anything else so I think that's probably a fair point I, I thought they were in great shape last year had there been an All-Ireland Championship you know I think they would have had a very very good crack at winning it um, but again it's hard to see just how fresh you know, James and, and Philly McMahon and Dean Rock. I'm not saying that they're not, but it's just, it's impossible to gauge now because there's definitely a few of those players that look pretty rusty by the time Dublin were beaten by um, beaten by Mayo. So I suppose whether they can press the reset button and, and, and kind of replenish themselves that quickly, you know, maybe that is the sport. Maybe that's their motivation to kind of not just go back to back, but actually get another crack at the All-Ireland. Because I think there's an awful lot of them still around from the 2013 campaign. Mm. They were a very, very young team at that stage. So, um, you know, talent-wise, they're, they're phenomenal. But whether they're kind of as cohesive and everything else after not really having the players all summer, that's probably another story. A um, couple of other big results on Friday night as well, actually. Uh, you mentioned in that group, uh, Scaries uh, against Clontarf. Scaries beating Clontarf at Coleman. You, uh, and, and the other result on Friday night was around Terra's loss beating Plunkett's 316 to 19 points. A surprise in some people's books, those results. Were they surprising in your books? Yeah, they would have been. I would have uh, probably fancied Clontarf. They, they've you know been knocking about some of the big teams in recent years where they've almost got big results against the likes of Ballyboden. Um, Scaries have some underage teams coming through there, which must be filtering into the, the senior setup there. And they have... You know, scoring forwards, but you know, if if Clontarf were without players, and um, I, I'm not sure if you know, I don't think Jack McCaffrey was was tugged out on the day. Uh, you know that that influence that he can have on a game is worth scores to a team like Clontarf, and when you take him out of the mix, then Scaries, you know, would fancy their chances in taking on Clontarf because they haven't got that pace that, um, you know, that X factor that someone like Jack McCaffrey brings to the table, and then it suddenly spins things in in Scary's direction. And similarly, like, you know, with, with Round Towers, Lusk, you know, team who've been coming, we'll say through the the grades, a young group of guys, you know, starting to gel well. And Plunkett's, you know, certainly have young guys coming through. They still have some of the more older guys that would have, you know, suffered the heartache of Dublin Championship losses, final losses. So, so it was a big result for Round Towers and sets them up nicely for even, you know, will they win a Dublin Championship? Maybe not this year. Uh, because of the strength of the likes of Ballymuns and Ballybodens. But that type of result starts to breed a bit of confidence into, you know, a young team, starts to breed uh, a belief that there's more to maybe just winning a championship match, that there's potential there to go on and win an A championship. And if they can build on that victory and continue to learn and grow, those type of results can only stand to them as they progress over the next couple of years and grow in maturity, both in football and as, as young guys coming through into senior football. Um. We mentioned already, Connor. We mentioned the Nafina result against White Oak Kill. That group one is a is a pretty difficult group. Uh, Ballyboden's and then is against Rohini. Well, seen as a difficult group. Ballyboden beating Rohini on on Sunday afternoon, a third quarter. And then they outscored Rohini by two five to a point in that third quarter, having been I think only two points ahead at half time. They really pulled clear in that third quarter and were able to win pretty comfortably in the end. Like I say, two seventeen to eight points. A big win for Bowden and a big win for Nafina, which obviously sets them both up in terms of. Uh, 
getting into the quarterfinals. Uh, you watched the game, I presume, on, on Sunday. What did you make of, uh, of Bally Bowden's performance? Yeah, they're really, really strong. And they have been for the last three or four years. And I think there's a great sort of, I suppose, like it helps when you have the same setup effectively. Um, you know, Anthony Rainbow has continued with that squad and they have built, I suppose, a physically strong team, a physically imposing team, um, but also a very settled one. You know, there's there's not a whole pile of change in terms of the personnel. Now, midfield, you just wonder, you know, uh, that was, they're not quite as imposing with Declan Matty and Michael Darren McCauley in there. Um, so I don't know whether that's going to be an issue because in the past, they have been able to pin teams in um, on their kickouts. Remember, they did it to Jude's absolutely brilliantly a couple of years ago in the semi-final. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But like their team is so solid. Like Warren Egan was excellent the other night. But you know, at this level, particularly Colly Baskell and Ryan Baskell, you know, uh, like their athleticism and their energy. And and I think we spoke about this maybe last year in the Dublin GAA podcast. But their ability to still be going flat out in the last five minutes of a of a high octane game is. It's just so impressive. And, um, you know, a guy I was really impressed with the other day and it'd be interesting to see whether he comes on the radar with Dublin was Karen Kennedy. Um, just a really, really sort of polished performer. So I think like Rahini will definitely be disappointed because they're a team that a lot of people just expected um, were going to become challengers over the next couple of years, you know, particularly with the platform that they get from Fenton and Howard in the middle of the park. But, um, you know, it hasn't seemed to happen yet. and um, you know, I, I, I like Bally Bowden and Finn would be a huge game, but you would still expect the boat to qualify. Yeah, they um, were very sorry, Derek. They were, they were, you know, started the second half there, two, three, and five or six minutes, and it was, you know, game over, lights out. The, the, the guy who stood out for me, and uh, I was with TG Carroll, and Warren Egan was obviously awarded the, the player of the match. But um, Harry Donahue was playing cornerback, the number two, you know, took a couple of balls off the line. I've been in Parnell Park a couple of weeks earlier to watch Bally Bowden against Ballantyre in a minor A championship final from last year and he was playing centre back and he stood out that day. So it's great to see, you know, a bit of youth coming back into that Bally Bowden team because, you know, they've strength, they've physicality, they've pace, they've got scoring ability. And now you're starting to see some of those younger guys coming in that adds a fresh impetus to it. So, you know, they're they're a well rounded team, I think as Connor touched off, they've had consistency over the last number of years. And that that, you know, as Ryan and Colin Baskell at that level certainly are, are score getters for you, you know. Um, Connor mentioned Coleman. Connor mentioned you know Rahini obviously potentially being challengers in Group One. Group Two is another kind of group where you looked at maybe the likes of well, it's, it's Croaks, Castlenock, Vincent, and Ballantyre. You looked at maybe especially Castlenock trying to push in and uh, push in and get into the quarterfinals. Out of a tough group with Kimmelcourt and St Vincent's as well. Um, Croaks against Castlenock on Sunday afternoon. Croaks winning by two eighteen to one twelve. Uh, disappointing for Castlenock. Is there? You know, can they can they go on, can they go on? You know, from this result and, and kick on. Vincent's obviously beating Ballantyre St John's in the other game would put Vincent's and Croaks in pole position to qualify from the group. Yeah, I would. Um, I'm not sure how, how well Vincent's are, are are going at the moment. There's probably growth in them or improvement over the course of the the Championship round. So if there's a match that maybe Castlenock are are looking to try and you know hone in on in terms of trying to get promoted or not promoted, but out into the quarterfinals. It's probably that Vincent's game. Um, Ballantyre have you know struggled to find any little bit of form through the league. Um, you know, beaten by Vincent's, they'll you know they'll come up against Castlenock probably next day out in terms of the, their second round game. And and while they'll 
you know, Ballantyre would fancy a cut off Castleknock. The little bit of quality that someone like Kieran Kilkenny brings to the setup might just tilt the balance their favour. The Croaks and Vincent's game, given how well Kilmacud are playing and Paul Mannion probably fresh, the fact that he wasn't involved with the, the senior inter county team, you know, the threat that they have from an attacking point of view, you might, you know, lean their direction. So then the the crunch game comes down to that uh, Castleknock Vincent's game in the last round of it. Now I know we're jumping ahead the gun here and there's no fixtures or results from round two yet. But I guess if you're trying to plot your path, that's probably the way that it's been looked at from a Castleknock point of view to recover, get a result against Ballantyre and then put yourself in a position for a shootout with Vincent to see if you can maybe grab that second spot. No doubt Vincent's will be thinking similar that they've got off to a nice start. Get out and see if you can get a result in your second game. Aware of the fact that you'll have a chance there in the in the third game of progressing out, of, out into the quarterfinals. But like you're talking... You know, Croke's recent winners, Vincent's obviously their pedigree, Casanoc were in a Dublin County final obviously a couple of years ago, and, and then Ballantyre are probably a level behind that a little bit, working towards trying to catch up and, and younger guys coming through that will hopefully supplement the team, but you probably look at Croke's, Vincent's, and then it's can Casanoc maybe, you know, crash the party with the with the last game? Uh, Connor, chemical Croke's potential you know, going forward, how, how do you see them as being potential challengers for a title or having a, having a good campaign at least? Yeah, I think they're in the same boat as Ballyboden. Um, insofar as the recent championship winners, um, they have an awful lot of quality and they have a very, very settled team. They're just like you know, there's a lot to be said for having six forwards who can score, and they definitely have that. Um, they have firepower. They tend to let the ball in early as well to their forwards. You know, there are teams around that have, you know, good firepower, but but, but mind the ball a little bit more. Um, and and when Croaks are on song. They're a very, very difficult team to mark for the simple fact that they keep, you know, players up front. And, you know, even if you're doing defensive matchups and, you know, you're you're coming through the Crokes forwards, even their fifth or sixth best forwards, as you might judge them to be, um, is a really, really strong player that needs to be closed down. And when they won the championship a couple of years ago, that was a real feature of the thing. If it wasn't Hugh Kenny, it was Paul Mannion. If it wasn't Paul Mannion, it was Darren Mullen. You know, they have... Um, they have a bit of everything up front and they have serious variety up there. So like to me, they're, they're, they're serious candidates. Um, like Castleknock are a really strong team. I was only looking at the team sheet the other day and it's like, it's been very, very solid and very, very consistent for the past couple of years. Um, and that is a very, very impressive scoreline to put up. So look, even off the basis of, of, of the scoreline alone, you'd have to say the Croaks uh, are starting in very, very good form. And if they improve from here, I think they'll, they'll go very far, if not win it. And coming the, the the final result, the final game that we haven't really spoken about is uh, Jews against Luke. And Jews have always been consistently maybe challenging for the in the latter stages of of the competition for the last number of years. They drew against Luke at the weekend. It's still probably expecting to get out of the group with uh, Brent Harris, Lusk, obviously, and Plunkett's the other two teams in the group. Yeah, I think they have that consistency in their team that that always gives them the opportunity to get to quarterfinals, semifinals. I think where. Ultimately, they get let down when it comes to the bigger games. And Connor touched on it there. When you're coming up against teams that have four, five, six forwards that can score, sometimes Jude's are, are over-reliant on Kevin McMenamin creating and delivering scores for you. So they, they probably need to add some attacking prowess that allows them not be as reliant on Kevin McMenamin and have others to take up the slack when maybe he's been marked out of a game or whatever. Defensively, they're usually very strong. They'll be competitive around the middle of the field. They... they can frustrate teams and, and bring them right down and slow the game down. I think just where they, to get over the line and, you know, win a Dublin championship, they probably just need a little bit of extra quality up front. 
Are they good enough to get the quarterfinal, semi-finals? I would say yes. Are they good enough to win it without the attacking potential that your Crokes, your Ballybowdens, Nafinas, Ballymun have? That's where they just sometimes become unstuck when it gets to the last couple of games of it. Good stuff. Listen, lads, thanks a million for joining us today uh, to review round one of the Go Ahead Dublin Senior One Football Championship. We'll be chatting to you again in a few weeks' time to look back at uh, round two and hopefully a good few games ahead. The fixtures, by the way, will be announced by the CCC uh, during this week, but they are winner be winner and defeated team versus defeater team. So uh, group one will see Ballyboden's and Enders meet Nafina. Group two is Croaks versus Vincent's. Sorry, group one, Ballyboden, Nafina, Rahini, Whitehall. Group two, Chemical Croaks versus Vincent's and Castanoff versus Ballantyre. Group three, Ballymun versus Scaries and Thomas Davis versus Clontarf. Group four is still up in the air a small bit after the uh, draw between Jews and Lucan. So the uh, one team will face Ren Terrace Lusk and the other will face Plunkets. Like I said, those fixtures out uh, this week. Thanks a million for joining us, lads. And uh, chat to you again soon. Cheers, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Okay, welcome back. Well, as part of the new Go Ahead Dublin Championship show, we'll be uh, chatting to a club from around the county on each episode to talk about the work being done uh, at grassroots level at their club and like at every club, like I say, around the county. And we're delighted to be joined here on episode one this week by Nave Baroque Chairman Martin Kiernan. Martin, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Jerry, for having me on. Not at all. Martin, I guess, first of all, you're Chairman of Nave Baroque. Tell us a little bit about how you became involved with the club and... Uh, how you rose to become chairman of, of Neighbourhood? Okay. Well, I suppose it would have started, Derek, a long time ago. Uh, the family would have been all involved in the GAA in, with different clubs. And uh, I would have jo- I would have probably started school or come in Kilbarrick would have been the original feeder school for Neighbourhood. I would have learned in there through probably um, the teachers in there was uh, Dick Fields and Willie Sanson, and they would have had us out playing playing the games and following on from that then um, I would have joined Neighbourhood and played for a number of years. Now I did stop, I actually stopped early and then I got back involved with my son joined the club, um, oh god it must be 16 years ago now and when he, he played the minor and he's gone over 12 years but since then then I was, I was looking after the minor team, I then got involved in the adult games and then was uh, vice chairman for a couple of years under Liam Byrne, which was a successful time for purchasing the grounds and that. And then, um, was it 18 months ago or so, became chairman. So you became chairman right in the middle of COVID. I'm sure that was a, that was a fantastic a challenge to take on right at the very start. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about COVID and, and everything and the challenges that you faced around that a little bit later on. But first of all, I guess, tell us about the club, whereabouts you're based, uh, you know, how long you've been in existence, when, when you were mm-hmm. formed, how many members you have, all that kind of thing. Okay, the club the club was formed in uh, 1974, and it would have come through um, through Skull Arcon and uh, particularly uh, Dick Fields at the time. Uh, he was the main driver of of having of getting the the, the the club going. But we're based on the on the end of the Cabaric Road there. Uh, formed as I formed in 74, we got the club grounds in 1984. Now the club grounds were it was an it was a that, that area where the club grounds is now was originally to be a prison. And again, it was it was true. Um, Dick and a lot of other people, uh, they, they, they uh, fought that very very hard and ended up getting the grounds and uh, for the club. Uh, Clubhouse opened in 2001. We, our main pitch is in Park Borough. We would have 
two pitches in St. Anne's. Uh, we've, we also have used the same Fintons in Sutton. Uh, pitches, obviously, are a, a premium. Or, you know, it's very difficult to get pitches now at this stage, and um, we're struggling again. We would be struggling for that. But, um, no, the, the colours uh, would be the Mayo colours. Um, funny enough, uh, the weekend has just passed. Um, <laughs> but on, on top of that, that, that all came from the first principal of Skull.com was a Mayo man. Hence, the, the colours came from there. Now, at the moment, we'd have over a 1,000 members uh, playing. Uh, that would include our three, about 300 children from uh, Baroque Bioga, which happens on a Saturday morning. So the, the club is going very, very well. Um, a lot of work going into the pitches and so on. But, it, uh, yeah, it's really going well at the moment. And plenty of work going into, you mentioned Baroque Bioga, plenty of work going into the, the juvenile levels, the academies, summer camps, all that kind of thing around the club as well, which I guess is the... Uh, the next generation of, of Naborough players, Naborough uh, chairman, maybe, and women yes. in, the, in the future as well. Yeah, we well, uh, we, we started, I suppose, we, we've done some work with, it's been very difficult with COVID, but we've done some work with the schools uh, just prior to the, to the summer holidays. So, like some of our, our, I say our main feeder school was Skull.com, which is now Skull-Own, uh, St. Benedict's there as well. And the numbers have gone from possibly a thousand students when I was there to, 150 students now so we we've got we've got a wider spread we've got two uh two schools in bayside gail school mead and kabarik as well and we've got north bay and kabarik so we've done an awful lot of work and we're trying to arrange um sort of uh games between the two schools and in park Barogue where we can get the, the, the children down to Barogue and get and get used to being being in the you know, on, on our pitches and in our in our grounds yeah uh, the juvenile section is going very very well um or the mini sorry the mini leagues uh We've three hundred plus there now uh, on a, on a on a Saturday morning. It's really really uh, just the the buzz, the atmosphere, the uh, it's just a lovely place to be. And even most of our executive now would be down there and they'd be helping now. Well, obviously with the new restrictions um, and checking checking them in and, and back to play and, and and so on. A lot of work involved, but the, the executive are down there at all times. Um, the Funny enough, the breakdown on it now at this stage is nearly 50 50 uh, boys and girls. So that's uh, that has that has really has really come up. The girls section has just has, has gone very gone from strength to strength, you know. The juvenile section again, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 running very well. Uh, we originally prior to COVID, you know, you'd have been uh, we'd have a courses running for the for the mentors and so on, run probably through the Dublin um, Dublin County Board. Then we had we came up with this plan, I suppose. We, probably was 2020, where we get a group of coaches, uh, we would call them like sort of a hurling development uh, panel and football development panel, and they would, um, maybe three, four coaches, and they would walk around with our coaches or our juvenile section. Now, fortunately, that hasn't happened at this stage, due just, and it is due to COVID, but this will happen again, you know. Summer camps again, we've had our summer camps there, very successful. Um, we, uh, yeah, we we really good numbers at it. Really, like the support there from um, our um, all our mentors and um, just our, you know administration is huge. So the mental work going in down there from so for so many different people is um, fabulous. And I suppose just on the juvenile section, there's one team. One team I'd really like to give a shout out to, which is our under fourteen ladies team. For the first time in our in our life, that in April Oak we have um, they played Division One football in Horning. They reached the final in both in both codes. Um, Fortunately, didn't win them, but it was just 
fabulous day, a couple of fabulous days. We actually had both finals in, in Parkborough. But it was great days there. Um, great day for the, for, the, for the, as much as they were disappointed, it was a great day and a great atmosphere in the club at that time. Brilliant. Yeah, a huge amount of work going into the the, the underage uh, structures and the and the juvenile level, uh, juvenile structures and levels as well. Um, from a senior point of view, how are you doing? Uh, because I mean, I guess the the aim for yourself, and it's not it's 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 one of the aims, I guess, from from a club point of view, is you know to bring about a, a lot of ha- have juvenile structures and academies in place t- to eventually move into the senior teams. How are you doing from a senior level as well? Well, at a senior level, we're actually doing very, very well. Our, uh, we've a camogie, t- we've our, our camogie team now. They're in Division Four at the moment, but they have come up over the last couple of years. Um, uh, from the, they, they won Division Five, they won the, the, the Junior Two Championship, and all in twenty nineteen. Last year, now that they got to the to the semi final uh, of the Junior One, that that because of COVID, that didn't play take place. So we're hoping that they will. Um, they, the, the goal for them was obviously just to get them to get them into intermediate. But like again, and, and this goes through all our teams, the 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 profile, age profile in the team is twenty one years of age. You know, so it's it's really good. Our football team then again they were promoted I think two years ago, so they're in Division Two. They played uh, playing in the intermediate championship. They were they, they reached the final of it last year. Unfortunately, now Finbar cost colours right at the end. But again. Um, 20, 22, 23 years of age is, is, is the age group there. Um, we've three teams in, in, in adult football. We had two minor teams this year, which is which is a, a new for us. Um, so that's going, that, that, that ended up going well. Um, ladies football, again, Division Three Intermediate Championship. Um, they're bringing a lot of young players through um, at the moment. Uh, as a ladies section is going very, very, very well. So, and we nearly have a team at every age group in the ladies section now. So, you know, it's it's really blossoming in that in, in, in that section. Our hurling now is is uh, we had a, a GPO Martin Nolan uh, was with us for sixteen years. Now you probably won't like me saying it, but I know we, I know I won't say he was a hurling man, but he certainly brought the hurling on as well in the club. And um, we're in Division One. Um, we would have uh, COVID because don't even go up and down. It sort of allowed us time to settle in in, in that division. We possibly would have struggled if, if, the, if the promotion relegation was there, but again, it's it, we we played a championship match two weeks ago, and like six of the of the backs were all nineteen year nineteen years of age. So again, very young, uh, really really uh, bright future. I, I hope ahead for them. Again, say it's about twenty one. So again, we've three we've three teams at that at that at that in in um, in, in in that section. They would be. Uh, a tour team added this year and again we two minor teams one playing division one this year so it's really really positive stuff now in in the overall adult section of the club it's great to hear that you're, you're kind of improving going from strength to strength at both juvenile level underage level and also at senior level as well which is fantastic i guess one of the big things that we've seen of the last uh couple of years with covid was uh how big an impact a GA club and all sporting clubs, but certainly from a GA club point of view, has in the area about mm-hmm. how, how it can how it can help in the area. And I guess how much, you know, when the clubs were closed and when when, when restrictions were in place, how much uh, the clubs were missed in the area more than anything else. I guess you don't really know what you have on, on, until you don't have it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. How does Nate Baroque help the general area, I guess, the activities that take place in and around the club? 
uh, which helped the whole area in, in, in itself. Well, I suppose outside, outside of GAA, like we would have, we had a cycle club there um, that has, a, I think it's about 120 to 130 members. It, and this was all formed in 2015 when they actually done the big fund drive. We done a hundred kilometer cycle uh, to raise raise money uh, for the for the for the club and the all weather. Um, so that that would have um, that would start the club off. And they done another fund fundraiser in 2018, I think. But there's 130. They're all they're all they all they all wear the club colours and they're on all, all out there on a Sunday morning going off. And it's just uh, probably ex players, but just people from the community. We had a walking club then as well that was that was working quite well. We have a chess club down there. Now that, that's unfortunate. That's not happening at the moment. Uh, Irish dancing again not happening at the moment. But we have a camera club down there, um, and I'm not, I'm not sure how many members they have, but there's be a good crowd. But again, it's probably the older older uh, members, ex members, and of the of number one of the club and number two of the community. And uh, so they go down and they're there three days a week and uh, they, their use of our facilities, our, our, our televisions and so on or, and so on. But that, so we're, uh, that's uh, just a number of things that we're doing with, with the locals and, and within the community at the moment. Yeah, a lot of great work being done in the area. Um, from a club point of view, how did you manage with COVID? Uh, obviously, uh, I think a lot of GA clubs throughout the country really uh, participated in local activities during COVID in terms of, you know, um, volunteering, uh, delivering, mm-hmm. um, helping uh, to, to people, uh, that kind of thing. So I'm sure you, you helped out that way in the area. How did you help out during COVID? And I guess, how has the club managed through COVID and the issues that you, uh, maybe that you, that you faced during COVID that hopefully now we're coming out of on the far side that we can kind of get back to normal? But what sort of issues have you faced during COVID as well? Yeah, the same thing. We we done like like a lot like a lot of many GAA clubs. We would have done um, deliveries from our local centre, super value to uh, probably the, the the older people there who were cocooning at the time. You know, food, medicine. I think we'd about four hundred and fifty deliveries from 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 boat. You know, and then uh, like we've uh, a centre there, and uh, like they'd be big supporters of the club, the McHugh McHugh Group, and. Uh, Call this would be our games director at the moment, so they're big supporters. But we would have done a lot of work with them guys. We uh, from a health from a health and well-being being ish, uh, initiative, we done a, a walk around the world, and the plan was to walk around the world in forty-five days, um, and it'd be forty-five thousand kilometers. But uh, it was so successful, and people people bought into it at the time. There was, there was so little happening because of COVID. I think people were delighted to get out and and, and have those walks. Um, we had it done in, I think it was 22, 23 days. Uh, we then went and we said we'd do it twice, which we did. The, on the last day, it was amazing because there was some u- unusual, there was people walking 20 and 25 kilometers on that last day to hit the 90,000. And they achieved it. So we we then, we tuned in 11 teams in of six, 718 people. But we had, we had a Facebook page and um, but you had people from all over the world. And it was just uh, it was just lovely in the morning time. You might wake up and see pictures from Australia or from America, from Brazil, you know. And then um, as the day went on, you'd see them from from maybe the UK. Uh, um, it was definitely around Europe, but you also then had like sort of counties around their own, you know, whether it's whether it was Cork or or or, or Mayo or wherever. It was those pictures coming in from all over um, all over the country. So it was really it was really great time, uh, and that. During that time, we also had a club makeover. Uh, there was 20 projects we, we wanted to get done. Um, you know, it was just painting and those 
paint the clubhouse the railing so it was make over of our juvenile room there was clearing of bushes and we cleared all the, the bushes away at the around the, around the grounds which allowed to open up the whole place which we ha had hoped and, and has made, makes the club more welcoming because we were probably maybe hidden away wasn't on purpose but we were hidden away but now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're open and much more welcoming and uh, you, oh, there's a huge amount of work went in there a lot of people a lot of people gave their hours and time obviously free of charge. There was money involved as well. And again, that money was all raised by um, by volunteers and so on, whether it was through the walk around the world or, or so on. We would have had um, with other, um, we have a, co uh, um, a guy down, uh, Wingman, who was um, a member of our club, uh, Ashley Sheridan. And what he what actually would have done was um, he put in this van, burgers, chips, you know, but it's really, really good stuff. Really, but he would have given us um, he would have given us days where the, the money from the from that from the food would go, go back to the club. So there was a lot a lot of really good stuff happened at that time with with um, within the club the uh, Jordan Jordan that COVID period, you know. Yeah, it's great to see that because I think we saw that from for for a lot of clubs around the country how they engage with the local community to try and help people at a very very difficult time for everybody i think uh, which uh, i think everybody realized how important you know clubs can be and ga clubs can be in the area um you've spoken a lot about what's going on and what's gone on over the past few years at the club what are your hopes and your aims for the future for the club well i'm not supposed to, i'm not sure i'm supposed to say we're 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 we'd love to win championships and that obviously but our hopes names is really that we we you know we we, we perform to the highest levels we can but most important that our aims is to have sort of multi teams at, at all age groups you know so that no child misses out on a, on a game um you know at the moment we're probably sitting at maybe one and a half teams 25 players and it's not. It's it means some children are not going to get games. So we need to. We need. We need to get that to a minimum of two teams per age group. That every child in our club, um, no matter how good, how you know, gets a game. And uh, and that's that's really our main part would be to 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 get um to to have that that every child in the club plays. You know, being part of a team like it stays with you for life. You know, so it's it's um just it's just it, that's crucial for us. That we, we we get that every that no child is left on the sideline, you know. Um, I suppose apart from that, now at the mo the main thing at the moment is our all weather. We're getting the all weather resurfaced hopefully now in October, or at the very early 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 November. It is uh, it's funny because we we raised forty three thousand euros. Um, I'm just trying to think what possibly twenty nineteen, and even during COVID, um, we have a treasurer there that that held on to that money and made sure we didn't spend it. Uh, and rightly so. So all the money is there. Uh, the the contract has been awarded at this stage. So we really hope now that um, the the all all weather. Um, I think it's here twenty years now at this stage that 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 pitch. So it owes us nothing. So we're we're, we're investing in that, and that should be done now. Um, I say to you in the next two months, which will add add it'll add, it'll add something to the to the to the the facilities we presently have for our, for our, for our, ch our young ones and children. Great stuff. Um, you've mentioned there about trying to get more more kids involved. How do people go about, I guess, contacting the club and, and getting their get their get, getting their kids involved in the club, or even how do they go about maybe themselves volunteering for different roles? Because there's so many many different roles that you can uh, you can volunteer for at the club. You don't have to be maybe a, a coach or a manager or, or something like that. I'm sure there's a load of uh, 
uh, positions that you can volunteer for at the club. So how do you, first of all, get your get your child in, uh, involved in the club? And second of all, maybe how would you go about volunteering at the club yourself? Well, on the, on, like on the club, the club uh, needs as many people. The club is just, it's just so big and so much involved in it. And the more people, obviously, to, to spread that, that burden and, and that workload, the better. So people are always, always very welcome to join the club. Like we have the usual social media, whether it's, you know, whether it's Facebook, whether it's uh, Twitter, whether it's Instagram, we have all of those. And I can, I can certainly put them, send them on to you. Those, the main way and the way I'd really encourage anyone to do it is to call down on Saturday morning um, between 10 o'clock and 12. Our, our Brogue Yoga is, is running. There's, there's, as I say, there could be two, 300, young, between four and seven-year-olds out there. And it's just a lovely place and a lovely time. And if, if, if they did come down and see that and see the atmosphere in the place, I think that would really uh, uh, suck anyone in to get involved in, in the Brogue. But it certainly is, uh, as AT, I can certainly give you the Napro um, web pages and all that kind of stuff. Our Barry Harris, our PRO, and um, I have Barry's, Barry's mobile is on our website as well. But the, the really nice time would be to come down on Saturday morning because it's really, really a nice, uh, it's a lovely atmosphere in the place. Great stuff. So get onto Nate Brogue's website or check out their social media channels or more importantly, get down on Saturday morning between 10 and 12, you said, is the best time to drop down to the club. And... Uh, you can get in touch there and, and see how you can get involved with Nate Barogue. Because there's a lot of great work going on, Nate Barogue. It's quite clear from our chat over the last 20 minutes or so, all the great work that's been done both at underage level and uh, at senior level mm-hmm. and also outside of GA as well. So it's fantastic to see uh, the work that you're doing there and hopefully uh, more, more strength to you and more uh, power to you over the next uh, number of years as you continue that great work. Uh, Martin, thanks a million for joining us today. Derek, thanks for the opportunity to speak about Neighbourhood. Really appreciate it and the best of luck. Martin Kiernan there, the uh, Neighbourhood chairman. And that is it for episode one of the Go Ahead Dublin Club Championship show. Thanks for tuning in for this week. We'll be back again in two weeks' time with a review of the round two action from the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship and the Go Ahead Dublin Senior One Football Championship. In the meantime, keep an eye on dublingaa.ie and the Dublin GA social media channels. We're at DubGA Official on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all the latest news on the uh, Go Ahead Dublin Club Championships, uh, including results, fixtures, and streaming information as well. The game's coming up on Dubs TV over the next fortnight or so. But for now, thanks for tuning in, and goodbye.